Um, good evening. Um, it's August the 6th, 2023, 12.41 a.m., and the title of this is the, uh, com let's see. Good evening. It's August 6th, 2023, 12.42 a.m., and I'm fixing to uh, recite or read with comments possibly with the uh, the um, finished work of the eternal cross so <clears throat> the cross of Jesus Christ is not simply an historical fact of the Christian faith it's an eternal spiritual reality it is the point of manifestation of life for all the universe the scripture says that the lamb was slain from before the foundation of the world and that that very lamb sits with the father on the throne of the universe the lamb is christ the life and light and cohesion of all the things that are now what i'm what i'm getting at here is that before there was ever a sinner who had sinned or a sinner who needed to be saved from his sins or delivered from his sins there was the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. In other words, sin was already taken care of in the eternal. And what we had in Calvary about 2,000 years ago <clears throat> was the fleshly, real, uh, fleshly demonstration of what happened eternally in the heavenlies in, I don't know what you call it, in the, in the eternal past. But that's what it is. This is this is the that Jesus Jesus was died on the cross that he might demonstrate something that happened in the eternal. That's always been the case. Always been the case that the Lamb has solved the problem of sin before it even happened, because God anticipated this. Of course, we know that, and He knows. And so, any when Adam and Eve went the way that they went, that was not a um, a plan B. Well, that was not a failure. God has never gone to plan B. God is still in plan A. So, because Ephesians one eleven, Paul says, God the Father works all things after the counsel of his own will. In other words, if you read the book of Job, he asks, does God take counsel with anybody? And the answer is no. God is the eternal source, the eternal um, all in all. And so everything begins with him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, in in the book of Genesis, it says that um, um, the spirit of God moved upon the face of the, the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God uh, brooded over these the, the 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 firmament of heaven, the, the lesser firmament and the and the greater firmament. It says. Uh, the first thing that we know when it, it, it says that every earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, the first thing that happened was, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now that's what Christ is, what this demonstrates is that Christ is the entry point of light into the eternal darkness. Whatever was before 
his light shone and radiated into everything and manifested the universe. In the beginning, darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, this is just to show what this is all about. There's no life for us outside of God, and there is no life in him but by the Lamb slain. <clears throat> Excuse me. The cross eternally brings forth the life and love of God, thereby showing and displaying the glorious wonders and majesties of the infinite deity. Now, as it is in the eternities, so it, it is with us when the cross of Christ does its work. Paul adamantly preached Christ crucified because he knew that the cross was the great life-giver to those who believe, but a stumbling block and a rock of offense to the false god of human reason. Human reason and men's philosophies cannot comprehend the cross. They either die to it, or they continue in their perpetual death by denying their need of it. But the, but the truth is, only in the cross is life, for life is only in cross. Christ. God kills no one. Folks, we were already dead. The cross is the gift of resurrection life to any who will have it. Recently, I've seen some things that grieve me on Facebook, how people interpret, and, and these are people who have not seen, I, I guess you'd say, been born again yet. They don't, they've not had the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives, but they seek God, and this whole thing is that God just set up a bunch of rules, and if we don't obey those rules, He's gonna, He's, He's, you know, He, He, the, He's, He's gonna kill us. He's gonna punish us. He's gonna send us to hell. But in other words, so I've seen people say something like, uh, you know, you know, and Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, and uh, He wants you to let Him in. But if you don't let Him in, then He's gonna, He wants to tell you all the crap, crappy things he's going to do to you and punish you with well that's not god what's happened is let's just let's just put it this way it's like the whole world is on in a river and that river leads to niagara falls and and falls and to go over the falls is death and so what what we're doing is all the people are, are kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically here, but all, let's say, all the people are on various via, uh, boats and things like that, that on the, the Niagara River, and they're just having the great time of their lives, and everything is wonderful, love floating on the river, but what they don't know, no one has told them, is that there's this huge waterfall coming up, and, and they, they will not survive if they go over that fall. And so somebody's on the, either on the radio or on the on the shore, yelling at people, saying, "Hey, stop that! Going in that direction, stop the boat, turn the boat around, come into the shore, because if you keep on going, you're gonna fall over the precipice to your death." Now that's what it's what people is. That's that's the whole idea. What God is trying to do is save people's lives, not kill them. We are already dead so um, we were dead but we were dead only to God we were alive to selfishness and pride and all types of sins 
No matter how outwardly moral we were, without the cross, we were dead to the only one who is life, but all too alive to all that is death. The greatest sadness of all is that death, who is Satan himself, worked all his rage and hellish, na hellish nature through and in us, stealing and misusing the wondrous faculties and capabilities of our precious human selves, and turned us, creatures made in God's image, into selfish, raging devils like himself, though most of it learned to hide it really well. There is no one on earth and no human philosophy that can rescue us out of that eternal prison of sin and death. Only the one sent from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, by his shed blood and his broken body, can save us. For the chains that bind us are real. The death that surrounds us is a living death. The wicked prison keeper holds us fast with an eternal stranglehold of lying and deceit which no human person in his own power could possibly overcome. When we first come to the cross of grace in life, we soon learn that our new birth is more than just a metaphor. We become aware of the fact that we, that we were dead and in despair of all hope, that our sins are real, that our selfishness is real, and that we must die a real death to all that within. We do not turn over a new leaf, nor take on a new philosophy or system of beliefs, but rather we have taken into ourselves an eternal person, and so have become a new creation. That's what the New Testament calls us, a new creation. Instantly and miraculously, we are translated from darkness into light, from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life, from miserable, tormenting fear and wrath to unbounded glory and love. This is the new birth. We're born again. And when we've entered into the new creation, we see that there was nothing that could have affected it but Christ crucified. Nothing in ourselves, no power in the church, no set of rules, no sacrament or observance, no religious feeling or spiritual gift could do it, but absolutely and only by the power of the slain and risen Redeemer dying and rising in us. This is eternal life. Let me just reiterate that. It is only by the power of the slain and risen Redeemer dying and rising in us. That's eternal life, and that's the key. It's not something that happens out there. It's not something that's just written down on a contract in heaven. Oh, he believed, therefore he gets eternal life when he dies. No, it's a living reality, and it happens in us. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that's inward in our lives. It accomplishes the new birth. Well, however few realize the all-encompassing grace of God and the power of Christ crucified. Instead, instead, we struggle and strive, hoping to attain, to do good works, when all along His grace in us is wonderfully and mightily sufficient. We read books that tell us what we ought to be and what we should do. We continually, continually apologize to ourselves and to others for not being what we think we should be. But we seem never up to snuff, quite up to par, 
then that's because we've not yet seen the next great secret of the cross. It is impossible to see it while we are striving and straining to make something of ourselves so that God will be proud of us. For as long as we think that we clay pots are potters, or that we temples are gods, or that we branches are vines, we can never see the depth of the limitless God in us, that our weak, problem-ridden, faulty, sometimes unruly selves are the very manifestations of the Son of God, the Word made flesh, He who is the deed-doer, the will-er, the sanctifier, the wisdom, the power, the strength, the very self of ourselves. He is, he is our true self. The Son of God actually lives in and as us, so that we operate as He, as Son of God, as sons of God, in our own worlds. <clears throat> this is the glorious secret of the ages, the Son and His sons, for there is only one life, one power, one love in the universe, and that one is Christ, and Christ is in us, and we are in Him. Therefore, the life we live can only be His. There is no other life. There's only one person with life in the universe, and then He spreads that personhood around within each, within each of us. Hebrews 12.9 12, 12, says He's the Father of spirits. So, we are spirit beings, and and God is our is our Father of the whole human race, not just people who uh, find Him by being born again. He is our Father. He's Father to the entire human race. Paul said to live is Christ. Paul knew the secret of life was not in straining and striving to attain some heavenly perfection, but in knowing His absolute weakness absolute emptiness and nothingness so that God only was I am in him the real fullness of grace knowing Christ in his completeness in us is nothing we can grasp by our mental power or attained by any obedience to rules or moral behavior or find by believing the right doctrine no it is the glorious unlimited free grace of our dear incomprehensible invisible living God oh but what a secret to know for in realized union life in Christ where there can never be any more a hint of separation we are no longer Hernard's much afraid but grace and glory we are those who have found the Sabbath rest of God we have who have overcome and go no more out we have done battle with the wicked one and our champion the treader upon the serpent has crushed his head beneath us and made our enemy our footstool. There's no more up and at, down, in and out, but instead the conscious inner awareness of eternal light and life swallowing up, swallowing up death and darkness in all our being. This is the true inner reality, the very heart of the universe. One thought, Christ, the holy lamb slain, is all in all. And we are heavenly people, living now in, and eternally in Christ, in the heaven of heavens, in the bosom of the Father, the seat of power, where we take our place with the ascended Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
This is the outgoing life of the cross in which we now participate as kings and priests, intercessors sent forth to heal and to give life. In our wonderful, still, everyday felt weakness, he is perfectly strong, and he totally loves all his precious ones through our everyday human existence. Though our outward man is perishing day by day, still he in us is not failing nor falling behind. His face ever shines out of our countenance for others, not ourselves, to see. And he who works all things after the counsel of his own will, and who before the foundation of the earth created good works for us to walk in, continually and perfectly carries out those works through and as us, every day in the here and now. He lives as us, for we are the branches and he is divine. We are the very holy of holies, and he is the indwelling God in Shekinah glory. We are the containers, the earthen vessels. He is the life-giving spirit, and in his own way, in his own time, and according to his own perfect will, he flows out of our lives, maybe first as trickles and streams and, and then rivers and waterfalls and deltas and finally as oceans of living water for god only is life first to us then in us and finally as us as paul says of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever amen therefore people of god arise leave fear behind for perfect love has come away with sin consciousness for the cross has swallowed up death so that only christ is your life stand up and say with caleb at the edge of the promised land let us go up at once and possess it for we are well over to overcome it for the lord is with us that was all written and published well with the i, I kind of ad-libbed a little bit this evening but the core of this was published in Union Life magazine um, in 1983 now so I wrote a, a little short addendum to the article and this is the 2023 addendum the above article was written and published in Union Life magazine in 1983 under the title People of Faith Arise it is also was also put in the collection called Infinite Supply, number uh, volume two. Now, just as I write this, I also realize that this is the 40th anniversary of this being published the first time. I found it this morning looking for other stuff, dusted it off a bit, and very likely tweeted it, and here it is. I still very believe every word in it, though I do say a few things differently now. What I didn't know at the time was that I was making my declaration of faith about my life and position and that of all of us in Christ rather than describing the reality I was consciously living. It had formed in my intellect rather well, and I kind of thought that was it. But next, however, the Spirit was about to give me the life experience to go along with my faith beliefs. In other words, using one of our favorite metaphors, I had selected the proper chair, knowledge and faith, in, as in Galatians two two twenty, to sit down on and want to to sit down on, and so I went to take my seat after choosing what I thought was the right chair. 
The question yet to be answered was, will that chair hold me up? Now, will the chair it only takes a few seconds to find that out. With life, it takes a bit longer. We may go through a long time wondering if this chair we've selected is really going to uphold us. It gets, it gets precarious, and we fall or jump out of it now and then, thinking we're sinking. But by the Spirit, we get up off the floor and sit back down again, saying, I know this chair is going to hold me. God, you said. And then one day, it does. It holds us all, brothers and sisters. The peace of God which passeth all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. That's from the Episcopal 1928 Book of Common Prayer and also the Paul's Book of Ephesians. Thank you and good evening.